you just have to be courageous enough and brave enough to let go of that past version of yourself and and just dive deep into the unknown and trust that that the world will show up for you i went from wine and tequila to mocktails and espresso my name is Mari Demers, and each week I'll be talking about what it's like to live alcohol-free. You are listening to Sober Like a Boss, where I'll be having authentic conversations about living substance-free in a culture obsessed with alcohol. So on this episode, I have my friend Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hello. We met through RPG, which is Retired Party Girl. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, sure. Of course. Thank you for for the introduction there. So yeah, I'm Sarah. (laughs) I live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I guess I'll start with sort of like the the social um, boxes that people usually introduce themselves with. So um, I'm 24 years old and I'm a cisgendered, white, straight, able-bodied, middle-class Canadian woman. Now I say all these things just because I think it's really important to acknowledge and name my social location and the inherent unearned privileges that come along with some of those identities. Um, I was born and raised and I currently live, like I said, in Calgary and that's on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Sutina, the Stony Nakoda Nations, the Métis Nation, and all the people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. And again, that's just a land acknowledgement that I want to make because these aren't my native lands. So I just think it's really important to name that. Um, I'm a frontline social worker. I have my diploma and bachelor's in social work. So right now I'm a supervisor um, and I'm also just finishing up my yoga teacher training. So um, I'm hoping that once I have my yoga teacher certification in the next couple of weeks here, and then I'm actually going to be starting my master's of clinical social work in the fall, that I can sort of fuse these two things into like a somatic healing, um, doing one-on-one therapy, working with trauma in the body and sort of um, a holistic approach to, to working with people. I think I'm just like a spiritual person. I love nature, hiking, social justice. Yeah, just a human being trying to stumble through life with as much ease and grace and compassion as I can. So clearly you're on this podcast because you're sober, which is amazing. So congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, How long have you been sober? So it'll be six months on Saturday. So two days till my six months. Oh, that's so exciting. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. So when did your relationship with alcohol begin? Mm, Okay. So my relationship with alcohol started when I was really young. I was probably about 13. Um, And I think like I always felt this void deep within me, like just this dull ache of being like misunderstood by other people. And so I think I'm about to get deep really fast here. Um, (laughs) I think this came from experiencing a lot of trauma as a child. So My parents got divorced when I was two. My dad struggled with alcoholism and then passed away when I was nine. Um, My stepmom was a pretty toxic individual in my life and moved away with my step-siblings. And I pretty much like lost all contact with them since. And so looking back, I just think I was going through so much grief and abandonment. And I just had all these emotions that like a 13-year-old and like 
well, I guess my dad passed away when I was nine. So like, yeah, like a nine to 13 year old just didn't know how to deal with and no one else my age, I felt like could ever understand the depth of what I knew and what I was going through at the time. So I think that sort of when I first got into alcohol to just kind of fill that void. And so I remember my first party, I was 13 and an older girl I worked with came over to do my hair and my makeup. And I ended up drinking absolute vodka straight out of the bottle. And oh, I, could, I could never touch absolute again. Um, I know that like lots of us have those stories with like certain liquors that you overdo and then you're like, I can't even look at that. So that was mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the rest of that night is just like flashes of memories, but mostly being blacked out. And um, yeah, so I remember I dumped like vodka on my cell phone and completely wrecked my cell phone. I don't remember getting back to my friend's house that I was sleeping at. All I remember is like in the morning, I couldn't find my bra. And because I live in Canada, it's like obviously freezing in the winter. And we found it like frozen on her front step. So that was like scary to me because I'm like, was I outside in the snow, like naked? Like that is so dangerous. So, but I mean, that's what I say now. Looking back at 13, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just, like, thinking we're cool adults who can, like, drink and party and, like, you know, that kind of vibe. I was going to say, so then after that, I just kind of drank on and off. And then, um, like, going off of the, like, snow theme, in grade 7, there was, like, a school dance, I can remember. And I walked there drunk in flip-flops and my shoes fell off and I got frostbite on my feet. And I was, like, pulled into the office and my mom had to come pick me up because I was, like, clearly, clearly drunk. And, again, it was just, like... Like my mom was like worried about me and it was clearly a problem and teachers were like, what is happening? And, but all my friends thought it was funny, right? Like it was just this thing and like moving forward a little bit further um, in like grade eight, nine, getting into high school, I started experimenting with drugs. Um, I was smoking weed every day, doing MDMA or ecstasy every once in a while. Um, and then when I got into high school, I got into this relationship that was pretty toxic and really revolved around like drugs and partying. So this person was like selling weed and we were doing cocaine and MDMA like every single week. And I would just drink to the point where like, I don't even know, I would black out every single night and I would just puke and whatever. So that was kind of like my high school experience. And it's so funny, like thinking about this to come on your podcast and and talk about this, like yeah when I was in it and even like when I had gotten sober like a week ago when I hadn't thought about all this I would still tell you like it I wasn't that bad like this is just what everyone does but then actually like saying it out loud and and reflecting on it like that is not normal like I just think it it is so fucked up that we normalize things like sorry can I swear Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I just think, yeah, it's just so fucked up that we normalize things like this. I'm the same way because I remember just looking at my drinking and all the times it just got out of control and my internal dialogue was telling me like, oh, everybody does this and, you know, I'm not the only one and it wasn't that bad because like, you know, I didn't get arrested or something but then like (laughs) actually mapping it out and really looking at the things you did and the patterns of behavior you were engaged with just like goes to show wow okay this is not this is not something casual yeah a hundred percent yeah and I think like 
like some of the other things I experienced and I look back on and I'm like, oh my God, was like, I was a very angry and like sometimes scary person to be around when I blacked out. Like I have a lot of pictures of my past self, like passed out face down on the floor or being like carried out of a party, slung over someone's shoulder because I just like blacked out and lost all motor function. Like I would get in fights with my friends and like my, my high school boyfriend that I previously mentioned, like our relationship was so toxic. Like I remember there was more than one occasion where I would be blackout and we would be fighting and I would like literally try to jump out of a moving vehicle, like on the highway. So I was just like, so, so dangerous. And yeah, like at the time I would have told you I didn't have a problem. Cause like, like you said, like when you're surrounded by people doing the same kind of things, you just laugh it off. So I guess, yeah, that was kind of like my younger years. And then moving into college, I moved to like a small town. I guess it's a city, but it's more like a small town called Medicine Hat in Alberta. So I remember the very first night I got there, it was like a new dorm, a new city, like leaving my mom for the first time. And um, she had left me like a bottle of wine. And um, that very first night, I drank the whole bottle of wine, like blacked out face down on my bed, like fell asleep in my makeup and my jeans and like my that was my roommate's first introduction to me is like having to take care of this girl who was like blacked out on her bed and we laughed it off as like oh that's how we became friends like that's how we connected i had to take care of you ha 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 and then in college too i just um like again going along with that void i just and i think partially because like i lost my dad at such a young age i just like started to crave male attention and so um, I just like wasn't confident in myself or who I was. And so I sought out that validation by like blacking out and hooking up with people. And so I would always like wake up with, not always, I, <laughs> making it sound worse than it was, but um, there'd be like occasions where I'd wake up with like a stranger in my bed and like the worst hangover ever and have like 30 minutes to get to class. So I definitely don't miss those days. <laughs> yeah, I think... Wow, you're I feel like you're telling my college experience. Too. And that it's the thing, yeah. Like it's so common in those college environments for, for that to be so normalized. And like I know like recently some of the things that I've been talking to people about is how scary like initiations into sororities can be and things like that. Um, oh, yeah. where people are like going to the hospital and having seizures and and people think it's funny. I know that's literally what happened when I went to college we had uh, like I was in a sorority and there was never any hazing or anything Mm -hmm. but I do know I remember like first night out like a bunch of girls ended up going to the hospital because they drank so much or you just hear about it all the time like guys in fraternities and hazing and just the crazy (laughs) shit they have to do and they all like kind of laugh about it but it's like really scary and I remember thinking about like oh well this is just what they do you know yeah but now looking back I'm like it's not okay and no wonder why these people have substance use issues like yeah you know it's so true yeah and I think like a lot of the time when people move on from that college experience and, and start working and kind of moving into their adult life it can go well, I think it's a spectrum, but I think generally it can go one of two ways. Either they're like, what am I doing? I can't live my life like this anymore. Like this is alcoholism or like I do have a problem with alcohol or they continue to do the same kind of things. And, and it really does turn into a problem. I know, which is so scary. And I think it's important because you're 24, right? Yeah. 
and I'm 23 and I think it's just so important to be aware at this age of like what is alcoholism and what is a substance use disorder because when I went into college and I was like binge drinking all the time I didn't really know you know like I was just like oh this is normal this is what everybody's doing like I had no concept of what addiction really meant and until it's affected me yeah and that's the thing I think like we have this black and white version of what an alcoholic is and it's the person who wakes up and has a drink and goes to the liquor store every single day and and I I never resonated with that like I I didn't drink every single day I never had like physical withdrawals from alcohol I didn't like crave it when I was by myself or anything like that but like it still really negatively impacted my life. And I knew that it wasn't something that I could move forward with and like be the person who I wanted to be while it still had a hold on me. Yeah. I love that you said that because I think that's really important. I thought too, it had to be black and white and I I was the same. I was like, I'm not drinking every day. You know, I didn't really have physical withdrawal either. And my idea of addiction was, oh, like, you have to be crazy 24-7, always hammered. Like, that's not true. And I know for me, I asked myself and I, like, Googled, oh, am I an alcoholic? But really, I think a better question to ask is just, like, is this helping me become the person I want to be? Yes, I love that. And I I so resonate with that because I don't identify with the label of alcoholic. I don't think I was an alcoholic. I don't even know that I identify really with the term like recovered or in recovery. But I just am choosing to be sober because I like my life better this way. Like I just am able to be who I am. I don't have like anxiety as bad anymore. I don't wake up and regret the choices that I made. I'm able to like set boundaries with people and be clear headed all the time. And yeah, I just think like sobriety really is seen as like a sad consequence to people who like, quote unquote, have a problem when like, really, it's just like a proud choice that I think anybody can make if they find that alcohol is not bringing them closer to who they want to be. Exactly. I think you said that really well. And I think it's also interesting because everybody's sober journey is different. Like you said, you don't identify as in recovery or as an alcoholic. And I know a lot of people who don't. And I remember in the beginning, I was like, and for me, I do identify as an alcoholic, but that's just Mm -hmm. only so that it helps me, you know, kind of explain to people. But I totally respect and understand people who don't, you know. Yeah. And I agree a hundred percent with that, like wholeheartedly, whatever works for you. Like if, and even I think what goes along with that is I think I know lots of people who are sober and choose not to talk about it. Like they don't want Mm -hmm. sobriety to be their identity, which is totally fair because the whole point of removing alcohol from their lives or one of the points of that was so that their whole identity wasn't an alcoholic. So just moving that identity to sober just still doesn't feel good. But then for me, like I am super empowered by seeing that I'm sober. And I think Mm -hmm. by telling people that I feel like I have more power over it. Yeah, I completely agree. I used to be like very embarrassed by it. And I think now having some time and away from alcohol, I'm like, this is who I am. Like I am sober and this is a part of me that makes me who I am. So Mm -hmm. like it's empowering. But for some people, like everybody's different, you know? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I love that. So what about after college? 
Okay. So after college, I moved back home to Calgary. Um, not like back home in with my parents, but I started, so I did my social work diploma in medicine hat. And then I moved back to Calgary to do my bachelor's degree in social work at university of Calgary. So I moved into like a little apartment by the university and I kind of started to get my shit together. So I was like working in the social work field while I was going to school. Um, and for about four years, so from the time I was like 20 until like really recently, I had a pretty consistent relationship with alcohol. And so what that kind of looked like was I would decide that I was going to drink or go out and I would blackout. Like every time I would do something stupid that I would wake up and be like, what did I do? Like it got to the point where like my boyfriend at the time, I would wake up and if I like didn't remember anything, I would I would text his friends and be like, is he mad at me? Like, should I wake him up? Should I make breakfast? What should I do? Like, I didn't know if mm-hmm. I should be embarrassed or scared. I didn't know if we were fighting or on good terms. And yeah, so that would happen um, often. And then I would write in my journal and be so ashamed and decide that I was going to take a break from alcohol. And then after my break, whether that lasts a week or two weeks or a month, I would decide, okay, now that I've taken a break, I'm going to moderate my alcohol intake. So I'm just going to have a couple or I'm just going to drink when I'm at home with my partner and we're having dinner, not when we're at a party or like, I'm just going to drink wine and not get into hard alcohol because maybe then I won't black out. And inevitably I would drink and one was never enough for me. So I would say, I'm going to have a glass of wine with dinner and inevitably finish the bottle and blackout and have the shame experience. And that cycle would just repeat and repeat and repeat. Yeah. And just like looking back like six months ago, I was sort of looking through one of my journals and I was like, every single month I write that I need to quit drinking. And I have this like horrible shame and anxiety and like, just see how negatively alcohol has impacted my life, say that I'm going to quit drinking, do it for like a short amount of time and go back. And I was like, this is insanity. I cannot keep doing this. That is so funny. Not funny, but it's, I literally did the same thing in college. I journaled Mm -hmm. a lot and I swear to God, all of my journal entries were when I was feeling anxiety or shame around drinking. I'd be like, oh, I did it again. Like I blacked out again, or I did something stupid again because I was drunk. Yeah. Um, The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah, exactly. And even just hearing you say like that shame and anxiety that comes with doing something stupid, hearing you say that just makes me cringe. Like I just got goosebumps when you said that because I just remember how horrible horrible and shitty that anxiety feeling really is. It's so bad. And it's just like, Oh, it's just not worth it. And then like you kind of get over the hump of like feeling bad. But usually when I got over the hump, I was like drinking again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Or like you would get to the point where it was like, okay, yeah, I'm embarrassed. What I did last night sucked. So I'm going to text the people that I went out with and see if they want to go get brunch and a Caesar so that I can feel better about this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, let's just make this better. But really, it's just like crumbling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, God. I know you kind of just talked about it, but when did you decide you really needed to make a change? 
Yeah. Okay. So I decided I, I really needed to make a change in November last year. So what kind of spurred me going back through my journals and, and sort of realizing that I would have a bad night and, and go through the shame cycle and repeat and um, nothing was changing. What kind of spurred me doing that was um, one night in November where I was very drunk and I actually ended up cheating on my partner at the time with the super toxic partner that I mentioned that was from back in high school. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's really kind of hard for me to, I just want to pause for a second and just acknowledge how difficult that kind of is to say out loud. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of just brought me back to my old ways of needing to act out sexually and be externally validated by a male to feel like worthy of love and feel okay with my body and my life. And and the funny thing is, that being said, I have never felt so worthless as I did mm-hmm. the next morning when the sort of cloud of alcohol and the haze lifted and the party was over and I was like smacked dead in the face with the reality of, of what I had just done. And I can honestly say that was the most humbling experience of my entire life. Like I've always really judged people who have cheated and thought Mm -hmm. that like I would never do that to somebody I could never be capable of that and like only horrible people could cheat on their partner and like that experience I just quickly realized that like I am no better than anybody else and like my shadow side can can come out just as easily and I don't want to like minimize or try to justify my actions by blaming it all on alcohol because it was definitely like a much more complicated situation fueled by like layers of relationship issues and personal issues but I can like truly say I don't think it would have went that far and I don't think I would have completely went against all my values so easily and acted on that urge if I hadn't been numbed out with alcohol. So that, yeah, that was like definitely my rock bottom. That's when Mm -hmm. I knew like, this is, I'm not Sarah anymore. Like I, I cannot be this person who cheats on their partner because that just makes me absolutely sick to think that I'm even capable of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you can, as you can probably kind of pick up on through through my story that I've told through this, I was never like a good drinker, like I could never moderate my alcohol. One was never enough. I drank to complete oblivion every single time. And I just branded myself as this like crazy fun party girl when like low key, I was just slowly just dying inside, like spiritually, mentally, physically. Um, Yeah, and that was just kind of my turning point. Wow, I really resonate with like the dying spiritually, mentally and physically. I was thinking like I've heard in recovery and AI meetings and blah, blah, blah. You're drinking and you're dying. And it's like, I think about it. I'm like, well, I wasn't really dying. But like, yeah, kind of I kind of was. Yeah. And I think it's so hard for me. I mean, like I, I try to preach like body autonomy and like, you make your own informed choices. So like, I will never tell my friends or like anyone who I'm around to not drink. Like you, you choose what you do to your body, right? Like I can just make my own choices, but I get kind of hung up and like stuck in this thing once in a while where like, you're right. Like alcohol is poison. And sometimes I just want, I'm like, why is this even legal? And I just want to like get on my soapbox and preach that like none of us should be drinking. But at the same time, like I respect that people can do what they want with their own bodies (laughs) yeah I get that too because like I have friends who drink and I totally understand that it's just a part of our culture but at the same time I think 
it's a problem that's such a big part of our culture. Yeah. Yeah. And that being said, like, um, wanting people to, to sort of wake up and realize this is poison. I think you and I can both attest to the fact that when you're in it and you're justifying your behavior, like you don't see the other side or that there is another way. Like this is just what we do. Exactly. You're living a certain way for so long. You, I mean, it's scary to make the radical decision to say, I'm not going to drink anymore because you've never lived the other way. So it's like, a whole unknown territory I'm happy (laughs) like it's really nice to hear you talk and just connecting with other sober people because there really is another side and it's just so much better and more real Mm -hmm. yeah and I think you really bring up an important point there like meeting with other sober people and especially like other young sober women like our age like when I first stopped drinking I would have told you like I'm the only person my age who doesn't drink and it's because I have a problem and and there's no way I would have been able to to stay sober if I thought I was completely by myself so I think these connections and like through retired party girl and the friends that I've made who are sober are one of the biggest reasons. And I, I don't know that I would still be sober if I didn't have that support. Right. I completely agree. I I was thinking too, like who else my age doesn't drink, you know, Mm -hmm. I feel like everybody, but like once you start reaching out and finding communities like retired party girl, or some people who have are in recovery, have their communities like AA or like recovery Dharma or just there are people who are doing it. You just have to look for them. But once you find them, it's just really comforting. Yeah, 100%. And I think something that kind of happened for me is once I went like all in, like jumped in with both feet, like I'm not moderating my alcohol. I'm not only drinking wine. Like I am, I'm not drinking. Like alcohol is no longer a part of my life and it's not going to be. I think once I made that black and white decision, um, and sort of put that out into the universe, I like people just started coming to me and I just started being exposed to these like badass, influential, like courageous, fun loving, exciting, like just incredible women and friends that like I never even knew existed. And somehow my life just started like opening up to them, which is so amazing. It's so true. There are so many awesome, badass, empowering women and men who are sober and once you make that decision you start attracting that energy into your life whereas before I was kind of in this bubble of mediocre just like drinking and partying with people who didn't really give a shit about me or anything in my life and once you make that switch just things start to change yeah a hundred percent and I think you really bring up an important point there and like I've heard you I think I've heard you say before that like the opposite of addiction is connection yes I love that I love that and I think what happened when I stopped drinking too is I started becoming friends with some of the people in my life who I always um, sort of had a guard up against and I think it's because I held them on this pedestal but never truly allowed myself to be close to them because I was intimidated that they were so like authentic and emotionally mature and able to like not drink and just have this up-leveled consciousness. And so I felt really inferior being around them, being that Mm -hmm. I was like the super sad, 
um, self-conscious, not confident person who just like drank to, to feel okay. And so I think now that I'm sober, I'm able to, to vibrate at the same energy frequency that I had always envied. And I like know who I am. I know what I believe in and what I stand for. And now that I understand that, like, we only have this one, like wild and crazy and precious life. Like I cannot waste another second of mine being dulled out and numbed by, by this toxic substance. Exactly. I think that's a huge thing. Just alcohol robs you of your gifts. That's something my therapist said to me. And Mm. it's, it's really true. I mean, I thought I was like this fun, kind of like you said, fun party girl. And then I look back and I'm like, nothing about me or my drinking was fun (laughs) for anybody. (laughs) And now I'm like, taking a step back and you just get to really re get to know yourself it is not always easy (laughs) Mm -mm. but it's definitely healthier than just drinking yourself away yeah a hundred percent and I think yeah you're right it's not always easy and although I'm sitting here saying like this is amazing and incredible and like I feel so much more joy and I'm not numb along with being less numb, we feel more like I have to sit with these really fucking shitty emotions. I never used to like cry or, um, or be able to admit that things weren't going good. I was just sort of flat all the time. And now like, I cry so often. Yeah. And that's okay. And it sucks. And it's shitty. But like, it's all part of being a human being. Yeah, that's so true. Because alcohol is just kind of a flat line it's a depressant you're not feeling anything really Mm -hmm. and I think people have a misconception about once you get sober it's all gonna be great you know it's Mm -hmm. like that's not how it works because that's not how life works and we're human so you're relearning how to feel things again and I think what you said like crying more like I notice myself I can feel things deeper and I feel things like joy now but there's some times where I feel really stuck and it's like I'm literally having to relearn what emotions are I'm like what is this what am I feeling right now because I don't understand it yeah that's so true and I think something that has been really helpful for me and I used to like scoff at these kind of things being like well I'm a social worker so like I know how to feel my feelings and like I know all of this which is such Mm -hmm. bullshit and those like emotion wheels that give you like the names for all like the basic emotions and then it goes into like the deeper ones so even if if people just google like wheel of emotions you'll see it um that's been super helpful for me and really just sitting with myself and being like okay what of these words do I resonate most with right now because yeah for so long I just shut myself down from from feeling and didn't realize that I just thought that I was okay when really I was just so numb. How has your life changed since you decided to stop drinking? Okay. So my, so many ways. Um, yeah, going back to like the, the slowly dying spiritually and mentally and physically, I'll kind of go into those different aspects. So physically, like I used to have really bad skin. My acne is cleared up. Like my skin is much more hydrated. I had a ton of digestive issues when I was drinking. And along with my drinking, I have had like struggles with an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And so that has like, that was one of the reasons I would black out a lot too, is because I wasn't always properly fueling my body. And so, yeah, my digestion is just so much better. My hormones and my menstrual cycle have regulated my muscles 
like, you know, that sore feeling when you're hungover where everything just hurts and you're bloated and inflamed. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That would literally stay with me for like four days after I, so I, yeah, I'm, I feel physically better and like, I never get sick anymore. Never say never. I mean, it could help (laughs) the fact that I'm wearing a mask and sanitizing my hands 8,000 times a day, but (laughs) Um, I do think it's helped with my immune system. And then I have more like space and time and energy to focus on my physical health. So like my yoga and exercising in a way that feels good for my body and focusing on like healthy, vibrant, colorful foods instead of like waking up and going to McDonald's or that kind of thing. So that's kind of how it's changed my life physically. And then I think mentally, I'm able to just like see the joy in things that I would have completely overlooked. Yeah. One book that like completely rocked my world and like for people who are sober and people who are sober curious and people who are drinking and that's okay too. But the book Sober Lush is such an incredible book about just opening your eyes to the the little things in life that that really are so beautiful and just oh I don't even know I can't even put words to it that would do it justice but I highly recommend the book The Sober Lush and it's on Audible so the Audible was a really great way for me to listen to it and the reader is like super easy to listen to But yeah, so just little things that I would have overlooked, like being grateful for like my coffee in the morning or like Mm -hmm. a sunset or like a song and even just like lighting a candle, like really just relishing in like that smell instead of just needing substances for stimulation. You start to, (laughs) right? Like you start to find pleasure in like small moments of everyday life and it is just so magical. I think like then getting into like the spirituality part of it a little bit, I think like we said, not being so numb and feeling all the feelings, I have space to work through and I'm still working through like the past trauma and emotional baggage that was driving me to drink and to be out of alignment with my values. And I'm just open to the possibility of the universe and I trust that I'm like always being divinely guided and supported and just feel like I I feel safe enough to face my trauma head on and and I feel okay with who I am and where I'm going now yeah I love that I think once you cut out drinking or really anything that's getting in the way of you being able to live to your full potential like you begin to feel safe with yourself again mm-hmm. yeah and even like you you begin to see who you are and you can set boundaries like I I mentioned my last relationship that ended I guess fairly recently I don't think I ever would have had the guts or the courage to admit to myself that I wasn't happy and actually leave this relationship had I not gotten sober mm-hmm. I think that I was using alcohol and like um medication which I think there is a hundred and ten percent uh a place for like anxiety medication and depression medication. But for me, I have found that I am a hundred percent okay without it. And I was just using it as a crutch. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think I was just using these substances and these drugs to numb myself to the fact that like, I'm not happy and it's okay for me to name that and do what's best for me and take a big risk and, and be by myself for a little Mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. That's powerful. I I look back at my relationships and I'm like, would I have stayed in that if I wasn't drinking? You know, I don't. Mm. I don't think I would have done a lot of the things I did if I 
wasn't drinking yeah and that's so funny it kind of it's not funny but it reminds me of like i i so like romanticized the song um by rihanna it's like we found love in a hopeless place do you remember that song yeah and that music video where they're like doing drugs and she's like in the bathtub crying and like it's like a little bit toxic but it's like romantic because they're so obsessed with each other even though they're like doing so many drugs and i'm like i so romanticize that well like i can just do all these drugs all the time with this man not even i can't even call him a man with this boy because like we love each other even though like i did not fucking know what love meant when i was 17 years old but it's just funny to think about now right i know i'm like god what i thought in like my first relationship i was like this is love but it was literally like toxic and just so oh god just a mess we live and we learn i guess right it takes you gotta go through (laughs) things to like see what what love is and what it's not yeah and that's the thing yeah like i in the end i am still so grateful for for all my past relationships because they have taught me so much about myself and and really clarified for me what I will tolerate and what I won't tolerate and help me sort of set those standards for myself. Exactly. So what about the people in your life? Has that changed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think like we kind of said, the the people that I interacted with when I was drinking were also drinking all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. Like we hung out on Friday and Saturday nights and we drank. And I can't tell you one thing about these people's like life goals or their families or their hobbies or literally anything about them other than they also like to get fucked up. And so I think these people like so easily fell away when I stopped showing up to like dive bars and gross clubs and like crowded sweaty apartments with like solo cups everywhere and like just realized that these are not my people and these people don't give two fucks about me at all like they just want other people to drink with and have blackout conversations with to pretend that they had fun that is so true yeah and then I think so like leaving all that is terrifying because you're like is there real people out there or does everybody just get drunk and have these fake bathroom conversations once you kind of step away from that you're like oh my god I'm by myself and then going back to just trusting that and being okay with that I think what I would say is that you will find sober people and and find friends that really do align with you. You just have to be courageous enough and brave enough to let go of that past version of yourself and and just dive deep into the unknown and and trust that that the world will show up for you. That's a really good way to put it. I think it's it's really hard for a lot of people as it was for me and I'm sure it was for you to have absolutely no clue what it is going to be like to live a life without alcohol when for years and and drugs like I mean I did coke in college and I did a lot of the drugs that you mentioned too it's a complete lifestyle shift and I was reading this book the other day we are the luckiest Mm, Laura McCowan yeah she was just explaining how it shouldn't be easy to make this switch to go from drinking to not drinking because you're creating a whole new life for yourself in what world is that easy you know yeah yeah and I think like I'm absolutely obsessed with Glennon Doyle I think she's like one of the most incredible humans ever love her but she talks a lot about that too like about getting sober and how fucking shitty it is 
because you feel and all of a sudden you have all these emotions and you're like oh my god is this what it's like to be a human being how can I manage this kind of like I know in AA they say or just in recovery in general they're like people places and things change and Mm. I mean they really do I 100% agree with you and I think it's because it's the same thing over and over like you're with the same people you do the same thing you go to the same places you listen to the same music and it gets so boring and so old so quickly and I like I mean I don't know your experience but for me I got a fake ID when I was like 16 so I'd been going out to these stupid bars and clubs since I was 16 years old and now I just like that they're so disgusting to me now like not that the people who choose that lifestyle I don't think they're disgusting like you do you right but to me I just don't feel good in those situations like I would rather be at home doing like a meditation and a yoga practice or just like watching mindless tv on my couch with my cat and pizza like that is so much more enjoyable to me than being surrounded by like obliterated sweaty people (laughs) who don't give two shits about me in my life that's so true. I think it was like a couple of days after I decided to stop drinking, I went to a party and I was sober and I was just like observing. I felt awkward because I didn't really know how to act sober there. Yeah. But I was watching everyone. They were just hammered and like coming out of the bathroom doing coke. And I was like, is this what I like was hanging on to? Because it looks really shitty. Yeah, that's the thing. Hey, and then now when you see like people who are doing coke all the time or like doing drugs and and being drunk you're like ew that literally was me like why didn't anybody tell me I looked like that (laughs) I know like I looked like a crack head yeah yeah a hundred percent and at the time you're like I even like when you take pictures on those nights where you're blacked out and you're like I look so hot and then you look at them the next day and you're like what the fuck like (laughs) elite and like why wasn't that enough for us to realize like how far deep we really were in it Exactly. It's really crazy how your perspective changes. Would you say you're happier or what's changed? Yeah, I I would definitely say that I, yeah, I am happier. I, I didn't know how to answer that question at first, but I would say that I am happier. Like we've talked about quite a bit, like I, I do feel more of everything. So I feel more sadness. I feel more rejection. I feel more loneliness, but I also feel more gratitude and more joy and more ease and more trust and grace and all the good things too and I think just giving myself permission to feel the shitty feelings too also just makes me happier because then I'm not blaming and shaming myself for being a human being and for going through ebbs and flows just like everyone else so I think overall I definitely am am happier yeah and I definitely think like when you're sober you you feel things more and it's like I think to myself like no shit we're humans we're supposed to feel things that aren't pleasant you know and our society is so closed down to that right like I think weird I I just want to talk for a second about like the masculine and feminine sides to that so I think like as women we're often told like like one of my biggest triggers in one of my super toxic like my high school relationship was being called crazy that was like oh my god I would lose my mind and then I'm like you want to see crazy like like (laughs) call me that one more time (laughs) but I think yeah like as women or like are you just on your period like that triggers me so much because like you know what maybe I am maybe I am in my luteal phase or my menstrual phase and like 
I'm having all these big feelings because of my hormones and that's okay. That's okay. I'm allowed to, to be crying on the bathroom floor right now. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So the fact that we pathologize that I think just disconnects people and, and especially people with like uteruses and in bleeding bodies, it affects us so deeply because we think that this is not okay. It's not okay for me to be a woman and be experiencing hormonal changes and shifts and be emotional. And it's not safe because people will judge me and call me names for feeling. So we, we try to numb that and push that down. And then not to say that it's just hard for women because men have the opposite too. They have to be this like, or they don't have to be, but society tells them they have to be this like tough, masculine, never cry, like be supportive to the women and just like never be the one to break down. And so it's not safe for anyone to feel their emotions in our society. And so we do turn to alcohol and drugs and sex and all these things to numb out our feelings because we don't think it's safe to, to feel. Exactly. And it's like, who... I think who the fuck came up with these rules? Who came up with these gender norms and expectations? Because I think it's a bunch of bullshit. A hundred percent. Yeah. And something that I've really been working with lately, like in the past relationship breakups, I've been a hot mess. Like I've not been okay. And I think a lot of that was obviously you're going to go through a grief process when you, when you lose somebody and you, and you go through a breakup But I wasn't allowing myself to go through that grief process. I thought like, oh my God, like I'm upset. I'm crying. Like there must be something wrong with me. And that just fueled the emotion to be even stronger. And then I was just feeling shame about about being sad. And so it made it worse. But I think this time around, like my most recent breakup, I was like allowing myself to be a mess. And like, I really let myself cry and scream in my car. and, And I got over it so much faster. Like Like allowing yourself to feel. Exactly. Yeah. Just like being okay with the grief. And, and then instead of like crying and screaming and then being like, holy shit, like what is wrong with me? I'm a mess. Just being like, okay, I needed that. Now I can move on with my life. It's like, wow. Like it's actually okay to just like feel intense emotions and move on. Exactly. And like through those intense emotions, also having the awareness of like, this is okay. Like I'm allowed to feel off, you know? Yeah. And not only is it okay, but it's necessary and it's healing to let this out. What would your advice be to somebody who is super curious or they think they might need help? I think if I had to give one piece of advice, I would say support is the biggest thing. So finding a community of of people who understand what you're going through um, and won't like judge you or label you as like an alcoholic or the person who had a problem. Like, like I said, for me, I don't resonate with those terms. So I I don't want to be the recovered alcoholic or like the friend that people have to be like, well, don't drink in front of her. Like, I don't want people to pity me. Um, or feel weird, like about having a drink in front of me or whatever. Cause like I said, like my sobriety is not a sad consequence. It's a proud choice. And so I think finding community of people who also feel that way and are proud to be, to be sober and, or, and, or sober curious, whatever that means to them is going to be the biggest and and best asset to somebody going through this. And so, yeah, finding a community of like-minded people, like I would highly recommend looking into retired party girl. That community is just means everything to me. And honestly, the women there, including yourself, have become like some of my closest friends. And I'm closer to like some of these women who I've never even met in real life because most of them live in the States. 
but I can honestly say I have like deeper friendships with them than, than a lot of the friends that I have in my real life because they get it. So I think that's just so, so important. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's so cool too. Like I met you and like through a retired party girl, I've met just like girls all over the U S I've literally never met them in person, but over FaceTime, I feel so connected to them just because we share something in common. Like we both have gone through the struggle of alcohol and made it to the other side. And I think that's just something so cool and just very rare. But thank you so much for coming on. I love everything you had to say. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. To keep up with what's happening on my podcast, follow Sober Like a Boss on Instagram while I'll keep you updated with sober content and inspiration.